one. Welcome to Draft Countdown. I'm Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com. And I'm Shane Behound from DraftTV.com. And this is part two of our 2015 NFL Scouting Combine recap. And in this show, we are going to be focusing on the defense, the D-linemen, the linebackers, the defensive backs. Uh, so let's jump right into it. And, and Shane, it's kind of difficult, too, because some of these players are going to project at different positions than they were listed at. So for, just to keep it easy for us, we're just we're going to if, if the combine listed guys at defensive end, we're going to talk about amongst the defensive ends. Like for a perfect example, is let's start with Vic Beasley from Clemson, uh, who was one of one of if not the star in terms of the the workouts of this combine. Uh, came in at six three, two hundred forty six pounds, thirty two and a half inch arms, nine three eighths inch hands. Uh, because he wasn't at the Senior Bowl, so that was the first time we got kind of verified measurables on him. But beyond the size, we knew Vic Beasley was going to test well athletically. He put up, but we didn't know he was going to come in and, and be up basically, what, 15, 20 pounds over what we expected. 246, I think, is a good weight for him and shows that, that he can bulk up. Uh, and the speed and athleticism. I mean, he had a four. He ran a four-five-three forty-yard dash, which is which is excellent. Uh, he had a forty-one forty-one-inch vertical leap, excellent, but not unexpected. But in addition to the bulk, the other unexpected portion I think was thirty-five reps on the bench press, which is one of the top marks amongst this year's class. Uh, Vic Beasley, I think he went a long way towards answering the questions people had about him. We didn't know if he was just this this underdeveloped, uh, slight edge pass rusher. I, I don't think we would have been shocked if he came in at 226 pounds as opposed to 246. So I, I definitely think he surprised us in a positive way. And, and he's put himself in contention now with, I think, that top tier of edge pass rushers that are going to go in the top half of the, the first round. And there's even talk now, maybe Beasley goes in the, the top 10 overall. And, and keep in mind, too, it's not just a workout warrior. This is a guy who's been extremely productive the last couple of seasons against top competition. So uh, Vic Beasley seems to be the total package in terms of performance and production and, and then those physical tools that you look for. So now it's just a matter of determining is he going to play with his hand in the ground or standing up. But Vic Beasley, I think, is clearly one of the premier pass rushers in this class in case there were any doubts beforehand. Absolutely. This this did answer those questions for me that I had about him. And I, I was a fan of Vic Beasley going into the combine, but I, I think you come out of the combine even more of a fan of him because you know, you watch him and you see that speed, you see that quick first step, and he's smart. He anticipates the snap, is really good at that. But that leads to questions of, well, physically, is he, is he going to be strong enough? Can he go up against offensive tackles and, and move him around? Then I think the 35 reps in the bench press and uh, the size, uh, those two things more than anything makes you say, I, I, do you believe that this guy can get it done? So um, I, I think he goes in the top 20 picks. I think he has to. And I think it's what separates him when he's to question, was well, he another Aaron Maben? Is he another just fast first step guy? He has a lot more than that. And he has that total package plus that production for more than one year. I, that can't be overlooked. And it's a good pass rushing class. He won't be the first one off the board, but uh, I think, I think a team will be very happy to draft him and, uh, and, and probably stand him up at three, four outside linebacker. I think would be his ideal position. Well, and, and the Von Miller comparisons are more prevalent than ever, but I think what keeps Beasley a notch below Miller 
is that Von Miller went to the Senior Bowl and proved that he could play linebacker in a 4-3 scheme. And Vic Beasley did not do that, so I, I think there's question mark out there about him. But, but certainly in terms of physical tools, you can absolutely see those comparisons to Miller. Uh, another player that we were kind of intrigued to see was Randy Gregory from Nebraska. And even before the scouting combine, based on my film review, I was leaning towards moving him to outside linebacker. And I think after he checked in at 235 pounds, that just basically confirms that. Uh, I think the tea leaves are, are, that's what the tea leaves read, and he's trending that direction. Uh, 235 pounds, but 6'4 and 7 eighths. Uh, built a lot like, I think, Barkevius Mingo. 34-inch arms, 10-inch hands. Did 24 reps in the bench press, which is probably a little better than I was expecting. Ran a 4.64. So, uh, Randy Gregory, I think he tested out extremely well athletically, like we thought, but I think the most notable result was that weigh-in. Him coming in at 235 pounds, I think, probably indicates linebacker, and I think that's probably his preference. I'm sure that was a coordinated thing with him and his trainers that they decided not to try to artificially bulk him up and just to get him in good shape so he'd test off the charts athletically, and I think Gregory did that. So I think it's par for the course for him. I don't know that he necessarily hurt or helped his stock, but I think the position's a little more clear now and yeah i don't think it hurts him i think a lot of people want to make a big deal about this this 235 pounds and uh rumors that he started training for the combine at 218 pounds uh, look he came in at 235 which is just fine for a linebacker yes it, it means he's not a defensive end and you're not going to put his hand down but if you have him as a rush linebacker of 235, of 464, and and I think athletically he's just so gifted and good against the run. I don't really care what that weight is. And it seems like if, if he did start at 218, training for the combine, got up to 235, and that's about where he played, he, could, he can lose weight. He can gain weight. He's shown that he can do that very quickly then if that is the case. To me, that that could be a positive, too, where I can mold him a little bit into what I want. I think you have to use him in the right way, but I don't think Randy Gregory could could be a, a stud pass rusher for for any team in the NFL. And I think the combine, he showcased uh, those skills. I, I, think, I think it's fine. I think 235 is just fine for a linebacker. Well, Dante Fowler Jr. is another notable guy to talk about. Came in at 6'2 and 5'8", 261 pounds, so he has that bulk to play defensive end. Uh, as opposed to a guy like Gregory, who who looks more like a linebacker physically. Uh, but Fowler actually ran a little better. Even though he weighed, was at 25 pounds more, he ran a little better. He ran a 4'6 flat, uh, 33 and three-quarter inch arms. He did 19 reps. And uh, Fowler, you know, we've talked about in the past, Shane, he's one of those guys that I just don't see the extreme fascination with. I guess I just don't see the dynamic ability and upside that a lot to do with him. I'm going to go back and take another look, but certainly tested out very well, especially running so well at 261 pounds. And I think that's something that, that maybe differentiates him from the Randy Gregory's and the Shane Ray's of the world is, and, and the Vic Beasley's and, uh, it, it, is that he has that bulk. Uh, and the same goes for Bud Dupree, who we're going to talk about next. But um, Dante Fowler, I, I think he's intriguing, and I, he's absolutely in the mix to be the first edge pass rusher off the board. He could come off the board second, third overall. I think it's possible. But what did you think of his workout, Shane? Did he sell you more on himself? Uh, where does he kind of stack in your top edge pass rusher rankings? 
I, I think it was about what I expected, and uh, I, I like him a lot. That we talked about it, uh, I think, a lot in last week's show. We kind of uh, discussed Fowler versus Shane Ray, and and some of the some of the potential of both those guys. I do think Fowler has a lot of potential, but he's not there yet. I think the workouts proved it. I think I think the four six forty time is is great, and you see that type of speed and explosiveness that he can bring to the table, but doesn't always show it on a consistent basis. Uh, that 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 is what Dante Fowler is all about. And it seems like teams are going to be pretty intrigued with him and the potential that he has. Because, uh, I mean, all rumors coming out of the combine is just how, how early he can go. It seems like he's becoming uh, soon a top five lock. Um, I, 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 I think there is some hesitation. I understand your hesitation with him because he doesn't always show it, but that, that potential is out there. And I thought the combine kind of backs that up. Well, and I alluded to Bud Dupree from Kentucky, who also uh, had a pretty good show. Oh, excuse me, we're going to wait to talk about Dupree with the linebackers since they listen to him as a linebacker. So we'll put a pin in that and uh, move on to Shane Ray from Missouri. And uh, basically the big reason we're bringing him up is because he was not able to run. Uh, He wasn't quite healthy enough. Supposedly he wanted to work out, but the doctors advised against it. So we're going to have to wait for his pro day. But we did get some measurements on Shane Ray. 6'2 and 5 eighths, 245 pounds, 33 and an eighth inch arms, uh, 9 inch hands, 21 reps. So uh, kind of an incomplete on Shane Ray. But ultimately, I think he probably lost a little momentum by not working out simply because the, the guys he's competing with, they all did work out and they all worked out very well. They were top performers, guys like Beasley and Gregory and Fowler and Dupree. So, uh, you know, I, I think it was probably a net negative for Ray right now. And it's not the end of the story. But at this point, I think Ray probably lost a little bit of ground, but he's going to have an uh, ample opportunity between now and draft day to make it back up. Uh, but the pro day is going to be important for him because uh, I, I, I think it's tough when, when you aren't able to perform and, and your competition does, and not only do they perform, but they perform well. And kind of in comparison to Randy Gregory with Shane Ray, he came in 10 pounds bigger, obviously didn't work out. And I think we've talked on the show before, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but I, at least how I feel, I think both of us feel like Shane Ray probably is a little bit better with his hand down as, as, a, as a base defensive end, more than an outside linebacker. And so that 245 pounds is, is okay for that. I think it can work, but that, that's definitely one of those, usually you see 245, you think, uh, someone's probably going to stand up. Um, and and usually at the Combine, all these players go out to the podium and they talk for a while, usually don't say much of anything. But uh, the one quote from Shane Ray that I found kind of intriguing was that he, he says he has a really high metabolism and he struggles to, to gain weight. And he, he's always just been 245 to 250 and can't really get any bigger than that. So I think it's something to take into account. I think he's a fine player. I think he's still top 10 pick. Uh, but hopefully his pro day goes well, and, and if so, that should gain that buzz back about him. Well, and I'm not even really concerned with what he runs in a 40-yard dash. I'm more interested to see Shane Ray work in those linebacker drills because, uh, as I've talked about, I, I'm, I'm dubious of his ability to operate in reverse and in space. So, so that's the big missing piece in his evaluation, so it's a shame he wasn't able to work out yet. Uh, so a few other names we got to mention. Uh, one of my first handful of prospect crushes of the year, uh, UCLA defensive end Owamabe Odigizua really made made people stand up and notice. Came in at 6'3 and a half, 267 pounds, uh, long arms, big hands, 
25 reps. He ran a 4.62. I mean, Oumabi Yadigizua, I think you could make an argument that he has first-round talent. And, and he's got production to go along with it. He had 11.5 tackles for a loss and six sacks as a senior. Uh, and, and not just a one-dimensional pass rusher either. He's, he's got some strength and physicality. I'm a big fan of Odigizua, and I think he's probably put himself in that maybe late first round mix, otherwise early second round, which is where I had him going in my mock draft beforehand. But I think Odigizua tested out every bit as well as we kind of anticipated. And he's such a long player, too. That was one thing you notice when you look at him in shorts is how long those arms are and and just how he looks physically on the field. Uh, he, he, he looks great for a defensive end, for a defensive lineman. The workouts were were we're very good at. See, I have trouble. I have trouble thinking that he that uh, that he's he, the teams are going to um, the teams going to knock him down. I, I think he checks a lot of those boxes. And Scott, you've been on him from day one. That he has the production. Now he has the athletic ability. Uh, he has the pass rush ability, and he's good at, at setting the edge. To me, that that that's his first round pick. I, I think if you're picking late in the first round, and you have this intriguing pass rusher there, we've definitely seen pass rushers go a lot higher sometimes than people think. Um, look at Marcus Smith last year as a player going in the first round that wasn't really expected. I think Odigizua will fit that, and I, I think someone takes a chance on him in the top 32. Well, and I could see him getting pushed up because we, we talked about how many good pass rushers there are, but we could see the top five all gone in the top half of the first round. Well, there's teams in the second half of the first round in the market for pass rushers too. So uh, I think a Diggy Zua is going to be in the conversation for a lot of them. Uh, another player who really worked out well is Eli Harold from Virginia, another one of those D-end outside linebacker tweeners. Came in at 6'3 and an eighth, 247 pounds. He ran a 4'6 flat. Uh, I, I really like Eli Harold. I, I kind of think he I, – I, I got a similar feel for him as I did for Dante Fowler where they do everything pretty well but maybe nothing necessarily great. I don't know if I see them being annual double-digit sack guys, but I think they're going to be six, seven sacks consistently uh, along with being – effective not only as a pass rusher but not a liability against the run either so I think Eli Harold stood out uh Daniil Hunter from LSU I think he's kind of a poor man's uh Randy Gregory Shane I think if if you're if you're thinking about Randy Gregory at the top of the first round and you don't get him maybe you wait off and try to get Daniil Hunter uh at the top of the second round six five and an eighth 252 pounds he ran a four five seven did 25 reps, uh, long arms, 34 and a quarter inch, longer than a lot of offensive linemen. Uh, Daniil Hunter, I think, is a really intriguing guy. And, and like I said, I think kind of a poor man's uh, 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 Randy Gregory or Barkevius Mingo. And then the last guy I'll bring up, Nate Orchard from Utah. Uh, it seems like the more information we get on him, the more confused I am. Uh, came in at 6'3 and a quarter, 250 pounds. He ran a 480. Uh, had a really productive senior year. I'm just still not convinced where to play him is he a d-end is he an outside linebacker uh, that 480 I, don't, I certainly don't think helped us make that determination one way or another that's kind of like in no man's land you almost wish it were a little better or a little worse to make you lean in one direction or the other but I, I gotta admit that uh, for me at least the jury is still kind of out and I'm not exactly sure what to do with Orchard yet so the scouting combine didn't really give us any clues at least it didn't for me uh yeah I, I agree with you on Orchard I don't know I don't know if he's great at either either way. I don't know if I feel like he's going to be a great defensive end or he's going to be a great linebacker. Probably solid in both. And it seems like these confusing prospects usually end up somewhere in that second day, 
someone just takes a chance with them, and sometimes they go to a system that makes them scratch your head, and, and you don't always see them used to the best of their ability. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I prefer I prefer Danell Hunter. The more the more I, I watch him. Um, I, I really hadn't watched him a ton going into the combine. He had that four, five, seven, had those great numbers. I went back and took a look, and uh, came away really impressed. Uh, that I, I definitely missed him the first time around. So he's been a guy uh, that that's moved up my board too. And so he's he's uh, he's intriguing. He's an intriguing pass rusher that gets that gets off the snap very quickly and is is fast. You know, he gets those running backs. That closing speed is so good. I think sometimes that's an underrated quality that I like. And that's something like with Orchard. I don't know if he – I don't think he really has that. Um, and I think the 4840 kind of backs that up. I just I just don't know if Nate Orchard's got dynamic enough for me to say top 50 like it seems like his uh, stock's trending. Well, one other player I'll mention, too, because I think his numbers were a little disappointing. Uh, Marcus Golden from Missouri, who who has a lot of fans in the draft Nick community. There's some who feel he's better than Shane Ray. Even uh, came in at six two and three eighths, two hundred sixty pounds. Only ran a four nine zero. Not very long arms, thirty one and an eighth. Uh, Shane, what are your thoughts on Marcus Golden? Does that uh, negatively affect your opinion of him? I think I think it makes me bump him down a little bit because with with Golden, I, I think you've always I've always wanted to see him athletically jump on the page and it just hasn't happened. I think he's a really good football player, good football instincts, a good good hand technician. But I was hoping for a little bit better workouts, a little bit better combine to really sell me on him, maybe being an NFL starter. Um, I, I think he's more of a rotational guy and still still kind of a third day pick to me. All right, let's talk about defensive tackles, and let's start right at the top with Leonard Williams from USC, who could also project a defensive end, but we got some numbers on him. 6'4 and 5'8", 302 pounds, uh, 34 and 5'8", inch arms, 10 and 5'8", inch hands, ran a 4'9", 7". I think Leonard Williams looked exactly like we thought he'd look. I think he uh, is is still clearly in the mix to to be the, the top prospect, overall prospect in this class and a top three overall pick. So I don't think the move, the needle moved positively or negatively either way there. Uh, Danny Shelton from Washington's more interesting guy to talk about came in at six, two and an eighth, 339 pounds, uh, did 34 reps on the bench press, only ran a five, six, four. Now, if you didn't know better and you just looked at the numbers and you think oh, five, six, four, how is this guy going to be uh, a top 10, top 15 overall pick, even at 339 pounds. But I mean, this isn't a Don Terry post situation. And I think even the Haloti Nata comparisons are unfair. I think Nata was a much more athletic and more impressive physical specimen coming out of college. I think a more apt comparison for Shelton would be a Vince Wilfork or a BJ Raji, but uh, I'm not concerned about five, six, four. I think it's clearly, it's clear on the film that he's a lot more athletic than that. He's more quick than fast. Uh, he's dynamic dynamic in that in those those small areas so um I, I i wouldn't read too much in that five six four from danny shelton i don't think that's going to negatively impact his stock do you wish he'd run a little better probably but uh i i think this is the case you just trust your eyes because if danny shelton's running 40 yards for you something's gone horribly wrong <laughs> something probably isn't his fault uh either but yeah, I, I you know the thing the thing with uh, with Shelton and, and with guys like that is um, okay if if, if uh, we're not I don't care about forty right I don't care about the forty yard dash. 
but I, I would like to see some uh, a little bit of the explosiveness. And I think I think vertical leap was uh, a thirty and a half, which is pretty darn good for a guy his size. So I think that shows some of the explosive ability um, that that he and some of the other big defensive tackles were right around there or a little bit above that. Um, so that that was impressive enough to me. You know, if you're gonna, if you're going to talk about a guy being quicker than fast then you want to see in some of these other drills a little bit more of the explosion. So I don't know if I was super disappointed. Maybe that maybe that you know ten yard split you'd like to see a little bit faster, but it doesn't really affect any Shelton one way or another for me. I'm I maybe not, I'm not quite as high on him as a lot of people. I don't think he's a top ten pick in in this draft, um, but I do think he's a first rounder and five six four shouldn't shouldn't matter where you pick him. Carl Davis from Iowa continues to generate positive momentum after a really strong showing at the Senior Bowl where he was named the top defensive lineman for the week. Uh, worked out well. Came in at 6'4 and 5'8", 320 pounds, long arms, big hands. Ran a 5.07, which I think is a really good time for a guy that size. And, and uh, Carl Davis, he continues to make a case for why he should be somewhere in that back end of the first round. And it's going to be interesting to see where the run on defensive tackles starts after I think the consensus is Leonard Williams and Danny Shelton are going to be the first two guys off the board, but then where does that next run start and how many in the back end of the first round? Are we going to see two more, three more, four more? But I think Carl Davis is definitely in the mix. And another guy he's kind of competing for a draft slot with is Jordan Phillips from Oklahoma, who has this reputation for being a kind of a freakish physical specimen. And I, I think he lived up to it. Six, five and a quarter, 329 pounds. Uh, 34 and three quarter inch arms, uh, still did 20, 28 reps and ran a 517, which I mean, it's not an eye popping time, but it's pretty darn good for a guy who's 329 pounds. We just talked about Danny Shelton, who at 339 pounds ran a 564, you know, a 517 at 329 isn't so, so bad. It's only a uh, 10 pounds lighter, but considerably faster. So uh, it, it's going to be kind of interesting. I think Phillips and Davis are kind of going head to head really for maybe the same draft slot. And, uh, I don't know if they're both going to go to the back end of the first round, but I, I tend to think one of them will at least. Uh, yeah, and I kind of lean towards Carl Davis. I, I lean towards Davis with the the good Senior Bowl week. I think he's a little bit though he's not as big. Definitely has that that capability to pass rush inside. Uh, I, I I'm kind of starting slowly starting to really come around on Carl Davis and feel like he's going to be a first round pick, late first, maybe early second round pick at worst. And I think there's a lot of these defensive tackles, as you said, Scott, in that in that range, or players that are going to go mid to late first round. Uh, Eddie Goldman of Florida State, who who didn't fully work out, uh, who didn't work out the combine. He's someone that I think people are still intrigued by. And then I always kind of lump in with with Phillips and and Davis is Malcolm Brown from Texas too. Is is super intriguing. Uh, and other players a little late to come around on, but man, uh, I thought he was he had a pretty impressive. Combine two six two three nineteen. He ran a five oh five. Uh, did did pretty well in a lot of the uh, explosiveness drills. So he, I think he, I think there's a lot of defensive tackles with some upside in this draft. If you're picking in in the late first or maybe even in the early second round, there's a lot of a lot of guys. If you want a big guy, you want a small guy, you want a pass rusher, you want a run stuffer, um, you can get a lot of good players. 
while in, uh, Malcolm Brown from Texas might be the front runner to be the third defensive tackle off the board. Uh, I think you can make that argument. Like you said, worked out really well, especially for a guy his size. And then one other thing I'd note on Eddie Goldman, you talked about how he didn't do a full workout. Uh, he's going to wait for the pro day, so he didn't lift or run, but came in at 6'3 and 7 eighths, but 336 pounds, which is, I think, 16 pounds heavier than he was listed at in college. So I think that's going to be a storyline to kind of keep an eye on and see what kind of shape he is at his pro day workout and see how well he runs and, and see if that's good weight, bad weight, neutral. But but I, I think that jumps out when you come in almost 20 pounds over what you were listed at in college. Uh, and finally, one other guy I think we should talk about, Xavier Cooper from Washington State. Uh, checked in at 6'2 and 7'8", 293 pounds. Did 29 reps, ran a 4.86, and and he's a guy who could maybe play some five technique in a three-four scheme. And an underrated player, Shane. He doesn't get a lot of a uh, pub. You know, play, came out as an underclassman playing up there in the Pacific Northwest, uh, but it has through three years of his college career had 31 and a half tackles for a loss, 13 sacks. So uh, Xavier Cooper, I think, is an interesting guy who, who, like I said, could project to a couple different positions, could play an even or an odd front, and and, and certainly ran the best time for a defensive tackle uh, by, by a margin of, I think, of a tenth of a second. So that definitely jumped out to you. If you're a fan of a 3-4 team, I think Xavier Cooper has to be on your list as a player you want from Fife Technique, especially if your team does rush from that five-tech position. Cooper has that pass rush ability. He has the stats to back it up. Uh, I, I really like him. I think he's going to be um, maybe that, that top 100. I think he could be a top 100 player. So uh, Xavier Cooper is athletically gifted. He's good against the run. And he's, you know, what he does well is he, he isn't just an athlete, but he has good football skill. He plays very low. He gets under the pads. Even being a 6'3", he gets under the pads of opposing offensive linemen. In Washington State, there wasn't a ton of help on his defense for him, okay? He didn't have a ton of help around him, but he would he would be breaking that pocket down, collapsing the pocket. Uh, so, I, I, I'm a big fan, and I, I think he's a player that you have to, uh, they have to pay attention to. Um, and, and let me give one more defensive tackle, Scott, that, that I liked, who's, who's maybe a, a super late-round guy um, that uh, I think had, had great workouts, but I thought he showed a lot of quickness um, in, in, you know, in the broad jump category and in the vertical leap category is Latarius Walton from Central Michigan. is a player that I, I hadn't even like watched, and then he got the combine invite, so I went back. And, and popped on the tape of him, and, and I think he, he is an explosive athlete. Now, he, he came in at 6'4", 7'8", 319 pounds, only ran a 5'2", 5, 5, which is not good. Um, uh, you know, hitting 320 is fine, but it, uh, obviously it's not an athletic marvel. But uh, he was a player in the drills I thought looked a little bit looked lighter than that and looked like he played lighter than that. So especially as as, as we're in these upcoming weeks on the show, I'm sure uh, we'll start getting some of these like later round guys. Uh, he's one that I have have kind of fallen for a little bit in Latarius Walton as a player that could play in that that five tech, play in a, a, a hybrid scheme, multi fronts. He could do a lot of different things. Yeah, and Walton's a guy who kind of is a late riser, had a really good senior year, and throughout his his standout senior campaign just gradually moved up draft boards. So let's move on and talk about linebackers. And, and let's start with a guy we've, we kind of alluded to earlier, and that's Bud Dupree from Kentucky, who still being looked at at either a defensive end or outside linebacker position, but they listed him outside and uh, came in at 6'4", 269 pounds. So, so pretty impressive bulk from Dud. 
Bud Dupree for for a, a quote unquote tweener, a tweener, a, a little more than he was listed at in college. Uh, ran a four five six, so even better numbers in terms of the size and speed than than Dante Fowler. And I've been saying for a while, Shane, that I think Dupree is going to go higher than that could very well go higher than most think. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in that top half of the first round, especially if we see guys like. Gregory and Beasley and Fowler and Ray come off the board the top say 10 to 12 overall picks I think Bud Dupree is the next guy on the list if you're looking for a pass rusher and and like I always say everyone's looking for pass rushers so I think somewhere 10 to 20 I think Dupree is going to come off the board and the rest of his workouts are great too 42 inches on the, on the vertical leap is is phenomenal for a player that size he he his broad jump 11-6 I mean that that was <laughs> that that's a number that uh, he almost broke the record for front seven guys at the combine in recent years. He's he's obviously a phenomenal athlete, an explosive athlete. I thought that that 269 number. Uh, I, I kind of did a double take when I first saw that, as I didn't expect him to come in there. And Bud Dupree's a player with a lot of production too. This isn't a workout warrior who didn't have the production. I mean he was he was the base of that Kentucky defense, was always in the backfield, was living in the backfield. Now you have the size. Now you have the athletic ability. Uh, if you can just find a place for him on the on your defense, I think he can be uh, very, very good. And I, 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 wait to, I don't know why – I don't know why he wouldn't go in the top 15. And I think if you're a team that runs a hybrid scheme, runs a, a 3-4, you could stand him up. And at 269, I mean, he could put his hand down for gosh sakes. I, I think I think Dupree could fit so many different systems and schemes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think this combine really solidified uh, what he can do. Well, let's talk about Shaq Thompson from Washington, who is being looked at as not only an outside linebacker, but maybe a safety, maybe a running back even by some teams. I think his his showing was a little bit underwhelming maybe at least in comparison to what the expectations were came in at six foot and an eighth 228 pounds size wise and just to put in that into perspective Landon Collins who most regard as the top safety in this class was six foot and 228 pounds so basically Shaq Thompson is the exact same size as the top safety in this class so maybe that opens the discussion for him winding up in the defensive backfield when all is said and done although only ran four six four. I, I kind of expected more from him. Uh, and, and four six four is a good time for an outside linebacker. But is it a good time for a two hundred twenty eight pound outside linebacker whose calling card is really that speed and athleticism? Now he does have long arms, thirty three inch arms. Uh, he did not lift, so he didn't get to see the strength. But I, I thought it was interesting that he came in at basically the exact same dimensions as Landon Collins. Yet we're looking at Collins as a safety and Thompson as a linebacker. What was your takeaway from Thompson uh, in Indy? I was disappointed. I mean, I, I was I was disappointed as as a whole for him running in the four sixes. I thought he he could be a four five player, and and I just don't know where you, where where you're going to play him and feel like you're going to have success. He said at the combine at the podium that he wants to play linebacker. He's been telling teams that's where he wants to play. If they want to play him at safety, he'll do it. Uh, but uh, there were some rumors he's got to work out a running back and ended up that he didn't want to do it, uh, which is fine. If you if that you're just probably more beneficial to a team a linebacker than a running back. But I didn't think I didn't think the workouts were great. I didn't think the the uh, the drills. He looked particularly fluid. For a player of his size, I thought some of the linebackers that were 230 in the 240s looked more fluid. That ran the ran as as good or around that same 40 time looked as good as he did. And 
I don't know if I could take him in the first round. I know there's there's a lot of buzz when he first declared. It looked like he was going to declare, maybe even top half of the first round. But I feel like this this off season and just the the tweener kind of status of where he's going to play, I think it might push him out of the top 32. Yeah, and I've kind of speculated that he's going to fall a little bit further than most expect. You see him in mock drafts in the top 10, top 15 overall, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be enough concerns about him to push him to that latter part of round one, early round two, where he could end up being a steal for someone because he's a heck of a football player, but uh, I, I think the position, at least between linebacker and safety, I think that question might be as murky as ever. And That's another case where you almost wish he had run a little faster or a little slower to maybe point you in one direction or the other. I think 4-6 kind the neutral number and, and it still kind of leaves him in limbo and, and leaves it open to interpretation to a degree. Uh, Lorenzo Malden from Louisville, uh, another defensive end, outside linebacker guy, uh, 6'3 and 5'8, 259 pounds, ran a 4'8'5. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Shane, those are pretty similar types of measurables to Marcus Smith last year, who <laughs> the, the early returns might have been the biggest bust of the first round of the 2014 NFL draft. So, I don't know how much that's going to work in his favor, but even d- despite the, the somewhat disappointing 40 time, only running the 4.85, I think you, there's still a degree of comfort there with him that he can play standing up because he did make that move as a senior, so there's film of him doing it. It's not as much of a projection, but, but certainly if you're going to view him as an outside linebacker, you probably wanted to see him run a, a little better than 4.85. And, and then another guy who's kind of in limbo to a certain degree is Haoli Kakaha from Washington, Super productive, outstanding motor. Obviously, he's got the durability concerns. He's he's battled a, a couple of major ailments. Uh, came in at six two and three eighths, two hundred fifty three pounds. Did not run and did not bench. So um, I, I think to be determined, Haoli Kakaha. But I think both those, both he and Malden, at, at one point they were being talked about as maybe late first rounders. I won't be surprised if they're closer to a third rounder than a second rounder at this point, maybe even third rounders. Um, I think both of those guys are, are trending in the wrong direction to a certain degree. And I think for Kakawa, it also is that medical check at the combine. When, you, when you've had multiple injuries, then you can't work out at the combine. It's going to be what these doctors find. And if, if, if they feel comfortable giving you that check mark that you, that you can you can play it, you're going to come back and everything's going to be fully healthy. There's not going to be lingering issues and all of those things. So I, I, that's still my biggest concern with him because I think he's a good pass rusher. But medical, you never know. He, you, you can knock him way down the, the draft board if things come up bad. I, I still like Walton. I still feel comfortable with him. And I think but, – but I do think your point's well taken that I think if he goes in the first round well, where Marcus Smith went – then that production, especially as a rookie, is not going to match his draft stock like it did for Smith. But if he goes in the third round, I think you, can, you get a steal with a player that's already stood up and played 3-4 backer and uh, you've seen be able to play. You might just have to develop a little bit and find ways around uh, that lack of athletic ability for him. So I still like Lorenzo Mullen a lot and, and feel like the second round would still be a nice nice kind of comfort ground for him. But um, he's, he's, the, the combine didn't help him, we'll say that. Well, and, and all these guys we've talked about, there's question marks about their position. The one, I, I think, amongst at least the top tier or two, the one true linebacker is Quan Alexander from LSU, who actually ran the fastest 40 time for a linebacker this year at 4.55. Granted, he did it at six foot and three quarters and just 227 pounds, so he's even a little lighter than Shaq Thompson. 
but uh, not, there's no talk of him playing safety. He's going to be an outside linebacker and also did 24 reps, which is a pretty good mark, one of the top marks for the uh, at his position. So uh, Quan Alexander, I, I think he's unique in that we know what he is. He's a 4-3 outside linebacker. There, 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 there isn't a lot of gray area there with him, and, and running as well he's, as he did I think is going to help his cause. Um, a, a couple other guys I'd mention uh, for maybe a disappointing results, Tony Washington from Oregon, who was being talked about as a top 100 guy, 6'3 and 5'8", 247 pounds, only did 17 reps and ran a 4.99. So, I mean, that is a true tweener. Uh, <laughs> you don't know. D-end, outside linebacker, but if he's going to play on his feet, 4.99 is not a good number. And then I was disappointed in Max Vallis from Virginia, a player I like. He came in 6'4 and 5'8", 251 pounds, so he's got a good frame. Only ran 4.83, which isn't an awful number. It's better than Malden, but I thought he might do a little better. But I, I think at the end of the day, that might just be a, a – lack of physical development keep in mind he came out he spent a year at a prep school and then he spent two years at Virginia so technically he was three hours out of high school but in terms of eligibility he was a true sophomore so he was only in a division one strength and training program for two years whereas most of these guys have had three four maybe even five or six in some cases so I think Max Vallis even though he didn't work out quite to my expectations. I'm still a fan. Obviously, you're going to draft him based more on potential than for what he is right now, but I, I still would invest the top 100 pick in Max Vallis and his upside. I, I would, too. I think he's shown with only playing two years that he can be dynamic. That number's disappointing. Before you, I, I thought he could be a low 4-7 guy, um, even at his size, and, and really wow you with his athleticism because he's flashed that. He's definitely flashed that better than what he showed at the Combine. Um, but but I still like him. I, Tony Washington, yeah, that was definitely disappointing. The 4-9-9 time for him, is uh, that's pretty bad. And I, I think that, that tells you you probably want to put his hand in the dirt and not have him play in space because you'll just, you'll just get run around um, deadly by, by, the, by even 4-6 running backs so that kind of scares me but Quan Alexander I, I, I think I'm falling in love with him if you need a, if you need an outside backer and a 4-3 I think he's an I think he's I think he's a starter I mean I think he's an NFL starter down the line he's strong he's fast he's explosive he's just he's not huge and that's why he's going to fall uh fall a little bit and but I think he's a top 100 pick who can who can start maybe even immediately and the combine proved that too well let's shift our focus inside uh, at linebacker, and, and I think we got to start with Paul Dawson from TCU here, who certainly is one of the top linebackers in this class, and uh, I, I think everybody agrees the film is awesome. He, he, he grades out really high in the film, but very disappointing workout. Uh, checked in at six foot and an eighth, 235 pounds, only ran a 4.93, which is, I, I mean, that doesn't match up with what I saw in film, Shane. I have a feeling you're going to agree. I, I had him estimated as a mid-4-7 guy, so ran basically two-tenths of a second slower than I expected, especially for a linebacker who is undersized and whose calling card is kind of his athleticism. He's so good in coverage. It's just It was one of the more shocking results, I think, from this year's scouting combine. It was one of the rare instances where the, the, the tape just did not match up with what we saw on the field there in Indy. And uh, Paul Dawson, I think there's more work to be done on him. And, and maybe a clue is none of the TCU prospects worked out particularly well. His, uh, Chris Hackett, his safety teammate, didn't perform particularly well either. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But maybe it was just a, a bad job of pre, 
pre-draft training. I don't know what the case is, and it'll be interesting to see how much he approves upon that, if at all, at his pro day workout. But, uh, I mean, heading into the scouting combine, based on the film, Paul Dawson was trending upwards. They were talking back end of the first round. I think everybody needs to kind of pump their brakes a little bit now and, and, and might be more of a, a early to mid-two guy than a late first round guy, unless he can uh, answer that those questions that have been raised. And, and he's got some questions about his intangibles too, that maybe he's not always on time, maybe not as mature and doesn't have that professional work ethic that, that you want to see. And, and maybe that contributed to the poor workouts. I, I guess I just don't know. I'm speculating. I think a lot of people are, are doing the same thing where they're just trying to figure out what happened just simply because there's such a huge disconnect between what we saw in the film and the way he worked out. It's tough to say, and I think this is this is a great look. Paul Austin's a great look at the combine process, and what do you take out of that? When you know when you watch him, four nine three is is not what how he plays on the field. It's absolutely, it's not even a question of that. So what what do you how do you how do you use those results and match them up? Is is this a situation where okay? You know he's going to run again at the pro day and do better at the pro day. Is that where if that number matches up better, then you take that time? I, I kind of feel that way. I want to see what his pro day is, see if it's significantly faster, which most pro days are a little bit faster, but if you discount for the track and whatnot and it still is a lot faster, then I feel comfortable with him. I, I do think this hurts him. I, I do think it hurts him. I think teams want to see all those things match up so they know. The teams want to feel comfortable when they draft you. If they're going to draft you high in the first round, the second round, that uh, all this stuff matches up and they know how fast you are. They know what your athletic ability is. And now with Paul Dawson, you start to have questions creep in about that. Uh, I think he's a great football player. I, I think he's, he's a first-round caliber talent on the field, everything else aside. So I don't, I don't want this to, to – this hasn't really moved him down my rankings for me, but if, if he would show up at a pro day and bomb that – and run and run in, in high four eights or something, then I then I think you start to have a lot of concern. But there there is no way in, in some of the coverage against some of the players that that I watched him in coverage against or watched him chase down that he was a four nine three player. There's just just no way. And and I don't want to completely discount it, but uh, I think you almost have to when it's such a big differential like this. Well, and I I just think it leaves it open to uncertainty now. If he had come out and run a four seven, I think we would have said, okay, check, moving on. Now you see the four nine, and you're thinking, oh, what happened there? Then you start, well, is, did the character concerns was uh, was it the work ethic? Was it, you know you start looking into other things. So I think he left himself open to some question marks now and, and he's going to have a lot of pressure on him to perform better at his pro day to, to kind of solidify that top 50 grade because the, like we say the film is, is certainly very impressive uh Denzel Perriman from Miami kind of what we expected he's not particularly big he's not particularly fast I, I don't think he's he's significantly deficient in either regard he came in a 5 10 three quarters which I believe was the shortest linebacker uh, in attendance 236 pounds uh, ran a 478 he did 27 reps on the bench press uh, uh, which is a good number I think, believe that was one of the top marks for uh, the, the linebackers but um, Denzel Perriman uh, I think par for the course I mean he did basically what, exactly what was expected and and we knew he wasn't going to be the type of guy who shines in in workouts running around in shorts he, he excels when you put pads and a helmet on him and let him go uh, attack and be a football player. So uh, Denzel Perriman, uh, I, I don't think he did anything to to help or hurt his stock. 
uh, then on the other end of the spectrum, at least in terms of the size and the length, Denzel Perriman was the shortest linebacker. The longest was Bernardrick McKinney from Mississippi State, who checked in at 6'4 and an eighth, 246 pounds, 33-inch arms, ran a 4.66. And the, the thing about McKinney, who, who could also project to outside linebacker, could maybe even play uh, a little defensive end with his hand in the dirt, but if you view him as an inside linebacker, what stands out, Shane, is he's so different physically from everybody else he's kind of jockeying with in that, that, those top tier or two at the inside linebacker position. All these other guys are, are 5'10", 5'11", 6 feet. And then all of a sudden you have Bernardrick McKinney who's 6'4". I mean, not only is he the tallest of, of the group of guys he's competing with, he's the tallest by three or four inches. So 4'6", uh, I, 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 I almost think that was a little better than I expected. And I think there was a perception out there that he was just this freakish edge pass rusher, but I don't think he plays like that on tape. He's a good all around player. He can do a lot for you. And I think the most intriguing thing about him is his positional and schematic versatility. But, but I don't know. I wasn't expecting him to, to blow our doors off with his workout numbers, but four, six, six is a pretty good time. And, and I definitely think that, 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 leaves the door open for the possibility of outside linebacker even more so. I'm going to be kind of interested to see where McKinney ends up and what type of scheme he ends up playing in because I I think he could very easily play inside or outside linebacker. And and then you start to look at 4-3 versus 3-4. There's a lot that he can do. And he's, you know, he's a good physical specimen for, you talk about that length, those 33-inch arms, the the size 246 and 6'4". That can work for some teams. That can work really well for some teams. And I think that's what makes him him really intriguing is you could drop him back into a soft zone in the middle of a defense, and he becomes very difficult to throw around in the middle. Uh, You can have him put his hand down and rush the pass, or you can put him on the outside. I thought the workouts for him were just fine. I think 466 is a solid 40 time for whatever position you're going to plug him into for the size that he brings to the table. He, he looked good. He's not super strong. He's still only 16 reps uh, in the bench press. I didn't expect much, uh, anything great there. So I, I, I think he's still in that, that late first, early second round range. I think he's that kind of checked the boxes for me for what I expected from him. And final couple guys to talk about inside linebacker, Eric Kendricks from UCLA. Of course, the younger brother of Michael Kendricks of the Eagles, Checked in at six foot and a quarter, 232 pounds, ran a 4.61, so undersized, but but runs really well. Um, and, and I think his numbers were about to be what was to be expected. But the name I wanted to make sure to mention is Stefan Anthony from Clemson, who I think is this going to be this year's maybe Demario Davis. Uh, last year we had Preston Brown um, a couple years ago. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other guy. Uh, uh, who I can't remember off the top of my head, but but the, the, that under-publicized inside linebacker who winds up going a little earlier than most anticipate. And at this point, I, I don't think it's a question whether or not Anthony is going to go on day two. It's just a matter of how early on day two. And he came in at 6'2 and 5'8", 243 pounds. He ran a 4'5", 6". He did 23 reps. Uh, Anthony just continues to do everything really well. Not only did he have a, a terrific senior campaign, he showed well at the senior bowl. He tested well. Uh, this is a guy who's, who's really acing every step of this process. And, and like I said, he's going to go in the second or third round. It's just a matter of how early I think. He's, he is what he is. He's going to be a, a, in the middle, play that run, fill that gap, great tackler, physical player, strong at the point of attack. And, and he moves pretty well. You know, I think that four, five, six time is really, really good for his size. So uh, there's some more ways that you can use him. 
I think second round is definitely within Svon Anthony's Anthony's uh, range here. And I think he could go in that second round. The teams that, that don't like to take those uh, inside linebackers in the first take him in the second. Uh, I, mean, I think he's a good player and a player that, that I've steadily risen up, and I think the combine continued that. All right, let's go to the defensive backfield and start with the corners. And uh, heading into the scouting combine, the favorite to be the first cover guy off the board was Trey Waynes from Michigan State. Uh, and I think he just strengthened his stranglehold <laughs> on that slot with his performance. Came in at six foot and eighth, 186 pounds. Ran a four three one, uh, 31 inch arms. He did 19 reps on the bench press. And I, if there was a concern about Trey Waynes, I, I think it was just because of the style of defense he played in, where he was so physical and aggressive. You, you kind of doubted his vertical speed, but he answered that and then some by running that four three one, one of the best times at this year's combine for any position. And you know, I, I tweeted a couple weeks ago, Shane. I, I think Trey Waynes is going to go earlier than most realize. Uh, he's definitely going in the top half of the first round, and and I think the top ten overall is a distinct possibility. Maybe as early as number five or number six overall to Washington or the New York Jets. I think it's a possibility. So Trey Waynes, I, like I said, I think he just uh, reaffirmed his status as the top corner. I, I think uh, he may have helped himself in terms of differentiating from the rest of his position as much as anyone at the combine. Four three one is an absolute phenomenal speed for any cornerback. And then you, you add in how physical Trey Waynes plays and the system that he played and only allowing two touchdowns in his career at Michigan State. To me, this this absolutely puts him as the top corner, and I'm with you. I think it could put him in the top ten. There's there's a lot physically now that you know that he can do that I have those questions. I had him as kind of a 4-4 four, four guy, low 4-3s. That's, that's a distinct difference in upside. And now, man, you're, you're, you're going to be able to run him with the fast wide receivers. You're going to be able to put him with guys – that are bigger than him. It's not like he's short. He can he can jam at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think Trey Waynes is going to be definitely top half of the first round. I think top ten definitely within the march. And I don't think I don't think the top cornerback now is even close. I don't know if there's anyone even close to him at this point. So we know Waynes is one, but who is number two is one of the big questions of the 2015 NFL draft, I think, because a lot of competition for that number two cornerback slot. And I think we're going to see two, three of them in that latter part of the first round. It's just a matter of which two or three and in which order. And, and I don't know that anybody necessarily separated themselves from that pack. Uh, and I'll just kind of read off some numbers. Uh, P.J. Williams from Florida State came in at six foot even, 194 pounds, ran a four five seven. Marcus Peters from Washington, who of course has the uh, character concerns, came in at five eleven and five eight, one ninety seven, ran a four five three. Kevin Johnson from Wake Forest came in at six foot and a quarter, bulked up to one hundred and eighty eight pounds, and ran a four five two. Quentin Rollins, my guy. Uh, one of my uh, favorite players in this class, 5'11 and 8th, 195 pounds, ran a 4'57, which isn't a, a blazing time, but I think that puts him right in there with, right in the mix with Williams, Peters, Johnson. I, I think it's fine. Maybe the guy who helped himself, Shane, is Jalen Collins from LSU, who was 6'1 and a half, which was, I think, tied for the second tallest cornerback. Uh, 203 pounds. He ran a 4'4'8, long arms. Uh, Jalen Collins, I mean, I, I think you could probably make a case for him being the second corner off the board. And whoever winds up as the number two corner could come off the board in the top 20 overall. So there's a lot at stake there. And, and, and that, like I said, that's one of the big question marks for me uh, uh, that I'm going to be watching. I'm just wondering who's going to wind up being that number two corner. And I, I think it's going to be still a heated competition at this point. 
I think it's an absolutely heated competition. And I thought I thought all those players did did decently. I don't think anyone played did extremely poor at the combine or really outdid expectations from now that that, that next group after Trey Wayans. I thought PJ Williams uh pretty good with the, the almost two hundred pounds with four five sevens pretty solid. But the rest of the guys that you mentioned did well too. And I don't know if anyone has really differentiated themselves. I think they did about what they're supposed to do. I still like uh, most of those players with first-round picks, P.J. Williams, uh, Kevin Johnson, Quinn Rollins. Uh, I think you can take all those players in, in the first, and if Marcus Peters checks out off the field, I think he's right there with them. So I think the late first round is actually, if you need if you need defensive backs, if you need a corner, it's actually a pretty good spot this year to be because I don't think you have to take the second guy off the board. I think you'd be happy with the fourth or fifth guy off the board and not really lose too much. Uh, someone else who had uh, impressed some impressive numbers, Ronald Darby from Florida State. Of course, the teammate, the, both underclassmen, with P.J. Williams. And Darby came in at 5'10 and 5'8", 193 pounds, ran a 4.38, which is no real surprise. We knew he was a blazer. Only did 12 reps, so a little lacking in the strength department. But, but physically, Darby looks the part. And I, I think it's more consistency than anything, but uh, he's absolutely one of the probably – five to ten most talented corners in this class, at least in terms of physical tools. Uh, how about Eric Rowe from Utah? That, that, that kind of jumped out to me, Shane, just because he's kind of viewed as a tweener. He played a lot of safety in college. He moved to corner for his senior year, measured in at six foot and three quarters, 205 pounds, but ran a four four five. So uh, I think that makes you feel a lot more comfortable about playing him at corner. And, and if you got a, a six foot and three quarter, two hundred five pound cornerback, that's a lot more attractive than uh, maybe an undersized finesse safety. So I think Eric Rowe definitely helped himself and and pushed him pushed the needle a little more towards corner than safety by running that four four five. Absolutely. I think I still think he might end up being a better safety. He might be one of those players to draft as a corner and move to safety. But now you have that flexibility with a guy with a guy that's this big and can run this fast. If if he can loosen those hips and drop them, uh, which you uh, think of the drills was still an issue for him, and hit that four four five speed against against wide receivers, you love to have that kind of player. I think Eric Rose solidified himself as a high day two pick as well, and uh, he's he's someone who just from a physical perspective, if if whatever you need in that secondary seems like he could play right corner, left corner, uh, free safety, or even, even, even with, with that speed, if he gets a full head of steam coming down into the line, there's so much you can do with him. That, that number flashed to me. I did not expect four, four, five coming out of him. And I think we should talk about Nick Marshall from Auburn, who was technically listed as a quarterback, but his, pro future is going to be uh, in the, the secondary and and actually at six one and a half he tied for being the second tallest corner at the scouting combine so excellent height 207 pounds ran a four five four so physically he compares with just about any cornerback in this class Shane I mean measurables wise he's a little taller than kind of that second tier after Wayne's but but every bit as fast as, as P.J. Williams and Marcus Peters and Kevin Johnson and Quentin Rollins. So uh, I, I think Nick Marshall is going to be a really intriguing late-round developmental corner because of that size. Uh, and maybe on, on a, a negative side, Ladarius Gunter for Miami. We talked about how Eric Rowe, his 40-yard time, maybe pushed him more towards corner than safety. I think could be the opposite direction for Gunter, who 
who's got the size, and he was, the, I believe, the tallest corner. There, or no, he was a tied for the second tallest corner at 6'1 and a half, 202 pounds, but only ran a 4.69, which uh, is an ideal speed to have out there on the edge. And I had him as a mid-4.5 guy in my estimation, so a little bit disappointing there. Maybe that nudges him towards safety. Uh, and one other guy I wanted to mention, Alex Carter from Stanford, because they're a guy who came out as an underclassman. Of course, his father, Tom Carter, was a first-round pick in the NFL draft back in 93, so good pedigree. But there were times watching him where I almost wondered if his best position might be at safety, but he ran a 4.51 at six foot and eighth, 196 pounds. So, uh, you know, he might be able to stay a corner. And I honestly, I want to go back and do a little bit more work on him to make before I make a final determination in my own mind. But 4.51 was a good time for Carter, and I, I think uh, goes a way, long ways towards maybe eliminating any doubt there might be about his position. But uh, uh, Shane, any thoughts on any of those guys or anybody else you want to talk about? I think we should mention Josh Shaw too from USC. USC uh, came in at six foot and a half, two hundred one, ran a four four four. Of course, physically talented, but has off the field concerns. It's gonna be interesting to see how much that affects him. But uh, I mean, Josh Shaw physically, whether it be as a corner or a safety, I think you can make an argument that talent wise, he's a top one hundred type of value. There's there's a ton of of solid corners this year. I don't think it's a great class at the top, but uh, yeah, a guy like Josh Shaw in the second day, if if he's fine off the field, then you love getting that size and that speed upside um, for sure. But look, we've talked about all these players, but there's there's one guy that we we absolutely have to mention um, that might might end up being the 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 biggest conversation of this combine down the line that we talk about, and that's Byron Jones of Connecticut. Um, in the broad jump, he jumped a 12-3. Now, to put that in perspective, that's, that's one foot and three inches longer than the next best, and that has actually 12-3 would be a world record of, of ever, ever, of anyone doing the broad jump ever for Byron Jones at, at, at this combine. So, that's that's pretty darn intriguing. He was he came in six feet and five eighths, 199 pounds, and uh, didn't run the 40. Was we weren't even sure if he's going to do the broad jump because he has he has an injury, so he didn't do a full workout. But ended up doing that broad jump and, and have the 12-3, uh, which just uh, it's mind blowing. No one's ever even come close. I mean, no one's even gotten that that 12 foot mark in, at the NFL Combine, and he actually breaks the world record with the broad jump. I don't, I don't know what to say to that, Scott. Like, how do you put that in perspective when drafting a guy? I mean, talk about explosiveness. I guess you can't get more explosive than Byron Jones. I mean, it's incredible. Like you said, he didn't just beat the record. He blew the record out of the water. I mean, it's unbelievable um, how far – he separated himself from the pack. And I, I think everybody's pretty eager to see how he's going to run at his pro day to see if that explosiveness carries over to his 40-yard dash. But one thing I want to mention in regards to Byron Jones is, now, it's not like he's suddenly all of a sudden going to be flying up draft boards that, oh, he's an awful player and he's going to go early just because he worked out so well. No. He was a, a day-two talent beforehand the reason his stock was clouded was because of the shoulder injury that prematurely ended his senior campaign and kept him out of the senior bowl but he was regarded as a legitimate second to third round talent before he worked out but I mean if he can run as well as he he broad jumped I mean Byron Jones he's going to go somewhere in that top 100 despite coming off that injury and uh, like you said I mean just a maybe the most freakish result we've ever seen at the scouting combine really I mean to 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 break the record by that margin is just, it's eye-popping. It truly is. 
And I'll say for some of these other cornerbacks, I think that there is kind of this that nice second tier uh, with within within the system. There's even we could talk about corners all day, kind of like the receivers. There's always just so many um, because I always love watching the workouts of these cornerbacks at the combine. Sometimes I'm not a guy that gets a ton of coaches tape and, and, and has people sending that to me. So I have to watch what's on TV. So you don't always get to see corners go into their back pedal and how, how low and how fluid they are. So watching those hips. So uh, there are a couple guys that uh, maybe even didn't have the greatest workouts that impressed me with, with uh, the drill, Steven Nelson from Oregon state, five ten one eight hundred ninety seven pounds, four, four, nine, super low, super, super fluid, just, just open and closed like a gate. Uh, um, Golson is a player that intrigues me small. He's, he's under five, nine, five, eight and five, eight, 176 pounds, ran a four, four, six, but I thought he had some of the best, some of the best drills of, of any cornerback. He's super fluid. I mean, talk about ideal nickelback. I think he's someone that, that you look for. So I think, I think it's a kind of a nice cornerback class. If you want the bigger guys, there's some of those in the second day that are nice. If you want smaller nickel guys, there's some of those in the second going into the third day. And I think there's some good all-around talents. So I, I, this isn't a class that maybe uh, after, after Trey Wayne's might not be great at the top, but uh, actually has some intriguing prospects. Is it just me, Shane, or do you think there's probably going to be better value a corner in the middle of the second round than there will be in the middle of the first round? If I'm a team like, say, the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not so sure I wouldn't rather draft a corner at 52 than 20 just to, because I don't think there's going to be that dramatic of a difference between the type of talent you're going to get and obviously it's going to represent much better value. And I think there's a lot of teams in that range in the first that need a corner. So that's going to be a centering look at. You have the Eagles. You have a team like the Steelers. Uh, yeah, I think you have a lot of these these playoff caliber teams that need cornerbacks. Are they going to take one in the first, or are they going to wait till the second? I agree with you. Do you, do you is it better to take P.J. Williams in the first, or is, is it better to take uh, you know one of these one of these second or third round picks that you can get later? All right. Finally, let's talk about the safeties, and we'll start right at the top with Landon Collins from Alabama. Who ch- and I was wondering about his height. Uh, he he looks so squatty on film, but came in at six foot even, two hundred twenty eight pounds. So just a, a really solid guy um, uh, in terms of his, his physicality. Uh, ran a four five three, which is not a great time, but it's, it's it's pretty good. Like we talked about earlier, Shaq Thompson was the exact same weight and ran mid four six. So Landon Collins was a tenth of a second better. Um, so I, I, I think Landon Collins did about what was expected of him. Um, nothing dramatically positive or negative there. Uh, I, I, this guy's a little further down the board, but I got to mention him right away, Shane, because I've been a fan of him for a while. I've been talking him up to Marius Randall from Arizona State. Uh, only five ten and seven eighths, hundred ninety six pounds, but ran a four four six. I had a terrific senior campaign. Uh, kind of a cornerback slash safety tweener. Um, to a certain degree, kind of a safety in a cornerback's body, but he's a playmaker in the secondary. I really like Demarius Randall, Shane. And, and in this safety class, which is, I think, fair to say lacking, probably one of the weakest positions in the 2015 NFL draft, I am beyond intrigued about Demarius Randall. And, and honestly, if I was in the market for a safety, I would consider him on day two. I really would. I, I think Demarius Randall is a, just a really good football player, and I think his workout numbers running that 4-4-6 are going to open some more eyes to him and and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got some buzz here leading up to the draft. And I think the problem with the safety class after Landon Collins, I don't know if there's anyone that you really feel great about about banging your your fist on the table. I, that's why I think Demarius Randall should go in the top 100. I'm with you. 
even being undersized, I think he has really good ball skills and had had a great senior year, and he's a tenacious tackler despite the size too. So I think third round, end of the third round, wouldn't be a bad spot for him. Uh, but I, I don't know if there's anyone else at, at this combine that really stood out and and took the bull by the horns and said, hey, I want to be in that, that late first-round mix. I want to jump up. Um, I mean, we've definitely seen the safety position kind of jump up in some drafts, even when, like last year, we thought it was a weaker class. We saw Dayon Buchanan go in the first round. We saw Jimmy Smith move up. Who I don't know who it's going to be this year because I don't know if I can quite put my finger on players that uh, that that are really good. I'll say the one player that continues to intrigue me is uh, small schooler Jaquiski Tartu. We had Josh Buchanan on the show as his top small school prospect out of Samford, six one three eight, two hundred twenty one pounds, huge, really big. For, for you know, in the box safety, he ran a four-five-three. That's a really good time for a guy two hundred twenty-one pounds playing safety. Um, so I mean, he continues to intrigue me, and I I find myself thinking, is is he maybe he's he's better, and maybe he has more potential because he's he's he can he has ball skills, he can play in the box. Maybe he's better than than everyone else that's not named Landon Collins here. I don't know if I, if I feel comfortable putting a, putting a, a Samford safety as my number two in the class, but I, he keeps inching closer for me. Well, people are probably wondering about Gerard Holloman from Louisville after just a, a tremendous season. I, what was it, 14 interceptions he wound up with? Uh, measured in at 5'11 and 3 quarters, 218 pounds, but did not run, so uh, we have to wait there. But um, uh, let's look at two guys on, on opposite end of the, ends of the spectrum, one that worked out well and one who disappointed. Uh, on a positive note, Justin Cox from Mississippi State came in at six foot and five eighths, 191 pounds, so a little slight, kind of a safety in a corner's body again, but ran a 4.36, so cornerback speed. And, and I actually liked him before the season, Shane, uh, but he's got some off-the-field issues that kind of cloud his stock, but he might have got himself drafted by running so well at that size. That's pretty impressive. And uh, sixth, seventh round, teams might be willing to overlook some off-the-field shortcomings for that type of physical talent. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Chris Hackett from TCU, who's a good player on film, very productive, came in at six foot and a quarter, 195 pounds, but only ran a 4.81. I mean, just a, a, a truly an awful time for a safety. And we talked about how his teammate Paul Dawson also underperformed. So I don't know if this was a, a, a training issue. I don't know what's going on with those those TCU prospects. But but both of their big names kind of disappointed. And uh, and Hackett at one point there. I, and, and I think based off the film, you could probably make an argument for him in the latter part of the top 100. But boy, 481s that's a hard number to get past. It is really hard. Maybe, maybe TCU's becoming the new Stanford or something. I don't know what's what's going on down there. But 481, you can't cover. I mean, you cannot cover in the NFL as a deep safety of 481 or even a strong safety of 481. I mean, most, most tight ends are running as fast as, as you, and they're they're a heck of a lot bigger than you are. So how, how are you going to do it if you're Chris Hackett, another good player? I think he had a, a good year. Uh, um, but but I, I, I'm like Paul Dawson. I think Chris Hackett on TV is a little bit slower, not 481 slow, but is a little bit slower. And and if I if I'm a team, it, it would be tough for me to take him in that top 100 now. Well, in, in the last couple guys, I'll bring up at the safety position just to mention for those wondering, uh, Chris, uh, excuse me, Anthony Harris from Virginia and Jerron Smith from Fresno State, widely regarded to be uh, amongst the top safeties in this class. 
neither worked, neither ran uh, or, or worked out as they're still recovering from injuries that kept them out of the senior bowl. But Jerron Smith came in at 5'10", 200 pounds, so undersized. And I've been comparing him to Jimmy Ward. I think he's that type of player. I'm a big fan, but but definitely not a, a, a impressive physical specimen. I think that was confirmed when he came in at that at that height, especially. And Anthony Harris checked in at six foot and five eighths, 100 pounds. So um, we're gonna have to see how they do at their pro days. But um, no, no surprise with either of them in terms of the size, but in particular Smith. It, it looks bad when you see him 5'10". He was one of the shorter safeties in attendance. I think he was the second shortest safety, but I'm not overly concerned. I, I think that was to be expected with him. It was to be expected, and I think he's he's one of those players that you're going to play back and have him play a little bit deep. Uh, he'd probably play some, some slot corner and do a lot of different things, similar to Jimmy Smith, as you mentioned. So that, that doesn't worry me too much with Ron Smith. I still think he's a solid second-day pick. But uh, I don't know, this, this safety class in – at the, in the the combine, I was, I was hoping for some some more pop, a little more shine um, that didn't happen. Like you know, like Deron Smith coming in at five ten. Oh, it's a little bit disappointing. I, a guy like guy like Cody Pruitt from Ole Miss is a player that I like a lot. Six uh, two, two hundred eight pounds, definitely on that bigger side, that that taller side. He ran a four six flat, which is fine for an in the box safety and you know, run two hundred eight. But uh, he's one of those players. If you would if you would have ran in the low four fives, then you, you might you might become even more intrigued with him so um so Cody Pruitt uh, another player that I've seen all over the board I've seen him in mocks in the second round I've seen him late in the third day uh could could be one of those players maybe sneaks up uh, a little bit because of the production and the size for a team that's looking for an in-the-box safety well and uh, apologize if we didn't mention somebody you wanted to hear talked about. Uh, if that happened, feel free to hit either of us up on Twitter. I am at Draft Countdown. Shane is at Shane P. Hallam. Um, it just time limitations. We we could we spent an hour talking about offense on a separate show, and now we just spent an hour talking about defense, and we could have talked twice as long and still not covered everything. So uh, it's just trying to find a balance to to get through everything without, um, uh, you know, Shane, without without. Uh, missing anything too major hopefully we didn't uh, miss any major storylines but before we end the show it's the moment everybody's been waiting for at least i have been uh before the scouting combine we did our annual uh scouting combine prop bets contest uh shane coming into this year you were three and oh undefeated i desperately needed to get off the schneid so uh you have the results for us you're going to break it down and i'm just going to lean back and enjoy this <laughs> yeah, so uh, we only differed on two prop bets this year, and the first one was the fastest 40 time. The over-under was 428, and, of course, it came out to exactly 428 uh, with J.J. Nelson. So I, I, I picked under, and Scott picked over 428, slower than 428. So we ended up pushing on that one. So it came down to good old Jameis Winston and his 40-yard dash, um, over or under a 4.82. I've been on the under uh, that he'd be faster than 4.82. Scott bet on the over, and he was way over uh, at, at, at 4.97. So, Scott, you, you, you won Jameis Winston's slow 40 time, ended up winning it for you, and, and that was the big difference. So you get your, your, first, your first combine prop bet victory. You can spend your imaginary money wisely, my friend. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. And granted, I'm still one in three, my record, but, but I'm, I'm not here to talk about the past, Shane. I want to talk about the present. In my mind, I'm one and <laughs> oh. Uh, I've started a new era. Uh, do, do, you, do you have the other uh, bets just to kind of recap the results of them? Or? 
Um, I, you know, I don't have oh, I mean, them all the right here in front of me. So, but no uh, but we did we did pretty well. Uh, we did pretty well um, as a whole. We, we you know we know Rich Eisen, right? That's the most important one. So we got him <laughs> on, in that sub six zero, and uh, I think we got Mariota's forty time uh, just correct. So uh, we did we actually did pretty good. I think we did better this year than most years. Well, yeah, and if people want to hear the whole show, it's only I think we did only 30 minutes, so you can go back and check out the archive either uh, at Blog Talk Radio or off iTunes, and you can listen through that quickly and, and see who we picked and our, our rationalizations for our choices. But uh, finally, I, I don't know if I could have looked myself in the mirror if I had started off 0-4, Shane. So i still got a big hole to dig out of, but I'm finally on the right track. Yeah, well, 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 well next year i got got to get a little better with this. I'll, I'll come back with vengeance, I promise. All right, bring it. We've we got less than a year to prepare. So with that, we're going to call it a show. Hopefully everybody enjoyed our 2015 NFL Scouting Combine reviews. And as of right now, there are 60 days, 21 hours, 17 minutes, and 20 seconds left until the 2015 NFL Draft. Tick-tock. <laughs>